good to be together, friends. I hope to speak with you about meetings, about ministry, and about our journey together. And to do that, I first need to talk about honey and to share a story, an old story that I hope will be helpful to us. So, first, about honey. For several years, I've participated in a rhythm of seasonal retreats at a Benedictine monastery in the Green Mountains of Vermont. Over time, I've grown in relationship with the community of monks there. During those times of prayer, retreat, and renewal, I often have the opportunity to share in some of the labor of the community. It's simple work. Stacking firewood in the fall, preparing the soil in the garden for the spring, clearing snow from the solar array in the depth of winter. I especially love the opportunities to work alongside Brother Daniel, the beekeeper. One winter, Brother Daniel brought all of us who were on retreat there together in the dining hall. On the heavy wooden tables were great trays filled with warmed golden honey. Together, he said, we were going to participate in the formation of the smoothest spun honey. It's in the nature of raw honey, he explained, to seek and take on a crystalline form. This can happen in a couple of ways. Left alone once harvested, the sugars in the honey will form a hard, irregular, rigid structure, an inflexible and harsh form. This hardening can even result in separation of the sugars in the honey from the water in the honey, increasing the risk that consuming it could be unhealthy, even deadly. But, Brother Daniel explained, if you introduce into the batch of raw honey a seed pattern, something very small, a graceful, smooth, well-formed crystal from beyond the batch, something miraculous happens. As the raw honey is stirred, and the tiny, well-formed sugar crystal of the seed pattern comes into contact with the honey around it, with time and the motion of the stirring true to its nature, the whole batch of honey begins to imitate the smooth, graceful, flowing crystalline form of the seed pattern. Every drop of honey is unique, a beautiful, diverse mixture of nectar and pollen, the memory and substance of the many blossoms from which it has been gathered. As the seed pattern is introduced, the distinctive qualities of each drop of honey are brought to fullness in a new underlying unity. Paradoxically, the many remain many, and yet they also become one. 
each crystal comes to reflect, to bear within it, and to pass on the pattern that has been received. A batch like this, worked with love, stirred with persistence, will never spoil. You can recognize spun honey like this by its smooth, flexible form, by its ability to flow. Honey bearing the seed pattern will bring sweetness, provide nourishment, and foster healing. Second, the old story. So about 2,000 years ago, give or take a week, two companions are traveling on a lonely road. They are fleeing Jerusalem after the execution of their teacher, Jesus, the promised anointed one who had arrived in the holy city to inaugurate a new reign of justice, peace, and liberation for a people under imperial occupation, economic oppression, and the weight of hypocritical religion. They're grieving the loss of the movement and vision that they thought they had been promised, the cause that they'd given their lives to, the dream they'd put their faith in. In disappointment, disillusionment, and despair, they hurry away from the city, the place of suffering where it all came apart. They're wrestling with what went wrong. This isn't right. This isn't what was promised. Was it, was it the teacher who failed them? Were the prophecies mistaken? How could some of those closest to the teacher who had lived as they had lived and seen what they had seen, how could they have betrayed the kingdom they were all working toward? Were the, were the hopes of generations before them misplaced? Had they just been deluded? Maybe the powers of evil were just too strong to overcome. Each of them looked at the other and wondered, was it your fault? Who and what could be to blame? Now a stranger, a third companion on the road who they hadn't noticed before, comes near to them and joins them on their journey. He asks them what they're talking about. When they share the burdens they're carrying, uh, what they've been wrestling with, he, he listens. He hears them. And then he responds with a story they don't fully understand. A story that somehow seems to include them, in some sense to include everyone, everything. A story filled with possibility and paradox. As the sun is setting, they come to an inn where the two companions intend to shelter for the night. This third companion 
who now somehow feels familiar, like like a long-lost friend, like someone they've somehow always known, this third companion begins to walk on into the falling dusk. They ask him to wait, with a sense that there's, there's more to be said, something more to be learned, something more for them to discover together. They invite him to stay a little longer with them, to, to abide with them, to share the evening meal together. At the common table, he takes the simple loaf of bread, blesses it, and breaks it. And in that moment, they recognize the pattern, the pattern of their teacher, their beloved friend who has been betrayed, tortured, and brutally executed. And yet, somehow here, here, in this moment of possibility and paradox, he is also with them, full of aliveness. In this encounter, they come to understand that they are invited, that they will always be invited to be part of something so much more than what they had understood the vision to be, something so much more than what they had dared to trust could be possible, something that can only be understood in the living of it. And then he's gone. As he passes from their sight, they feel their hearts burning with a love that breaks the bonds of death. They find themselves abiding in the sure knowledge that this pattern they have recognized is alive with them now, alive in them now, and yearns to come into the world more fully through their living. In this moment, with their hearts on fire, they turn around, leaving the empty table at the roadside inn, running back through the night to the place of suffering, bearing news of great joy. And everywhere they go, in all those they encounter, the same pattern that joined them on the journey is waiting to be recognized, to be welcomed to be known, and to be shared. So, what do making honey and this old story have to do with the conversations we've been having here today? What does this have to do with the life of our meetings now? and with how we respond together to the call to ministry in our own time. I think our hearts are like raw honey, by our nature seeking a pattern. From the moment of our birth, we are the inheritors of patterns shaped long before us, an imitation is among the most fundamental drives and capacities of human behavior. It's at the heart of what makes us human and how we become who we are. Our world is filled with these patterns. 
They're always seeking to take root in us. Patterns of desire, of scarcity and competition, and comfort and resentment, of fear and woundedness, blame and prejudice, of supremacy, of desperation and loneliness, violence and shame and dualistic thinking and pride. These patterns make us rigid and inflexible. Like the water separated from the sugar in the honey, we can be separated from the life-giving wholeness for which we came into the world. But there is another pattern. It comes from beyond us and yet is always with us. It demands nothing, but invites everything. If we freely choose it, it offers a new way, a new possibility that shatters the grip of these other patterns, that softens and reshapes our hardened hearts. Like the soft and flowing honey, we can recognize this pattern by its tenderness, by the humility, mercy, grace, and joy that it brings into the world. We can know it by the fruits of the Spirit that it bears. The expression of this pattern in all its presence, paradox, and power, this expression in and through a life, in and through a spiritual community, is at the core of what friends have called ministry. In this way, ministry is not an idea about how things should be or an action that we take, but a living relationship. Ministry is participating in the love coming into the world. This is not a new understanding for friends. It's why Quakers have used advices and queries. It's why we write memorial minutes, why ministers kept and keep journals. It's why we write state of society reports, all of this to help us reflect together on how the pattern has come and is coming in us and among us and through us. It's the heart of what friends have meant by testimony. It is this pattern who is speaking through the ages in the lives of imperfect, sinful, forgiven people seeking to be faithful. And this is the pattern that we can encounter in every moment, in this moment, in the spiritual communion of waiting worship, in the presence in our midst. As we heard again this morning, the reign of heaven is within and among you. Our journey together in nurturing ministry is like those two companions on the lonely road, failing to understand the whole story until their encounter with the third companion. Like those two travelers, as we journey together as ministers and meetings, we will find ourselves in the place of disillusionment. It's part of the journey. In our humanness, we will disappoint each other betray each other, wound each other. We will doubt our tradition, question and reject our practices, and find justifiable reasons why the other is to blame. 
when these moments come. I hope and I pray that we can recognize and trust the pattern enough to release our clinging to the expectations and assumptions that harden our hearts. I hope and I pray that as companions on this journey, as ministers and meetings, we can allow the third companion to abide in and with us. In the intimacy of this fellowship, of this new unity, may our eyes be opened to our rightful place in a work that we did not begin, that we will not complete, but in which each of us has a humble, vital role to play. May we be given the grace to trust and to choose this seed pattern, this living seed. And with patience, perseverance, and prayer, through the blessed particularity of gifts given through each of us, May the stirring of our hearts bear witness to the pattern we have received. And may we find ourselves turned around, running back through the night to the place of suffering, bearing news of great joy.